0: Samuel Clemens once said, It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. (laughs) This morning, we're going to have a little consternation that feels a little bit like that. It's not the parts of the Bible that we don't understand that that are going to bother us this morning. It's, quite frankly, uh, the parts that are very clear. The parts that we do understand. Open up your Bibles, if you would, with me and join me with Jesus on a mountain as He sits and He teaches. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, if you need a pew Bible. uh, If you didn't bring one with you this morning, if you don't have one, you can take that one in front of you. If you just need one for the time being, page 678 is where you can join me. It's not the parts that I don't understand, but the parts I do understand that bother me. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than any of the others? Do not even pagans? do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This seems difficult to me. I mean, if anybody comes to these verses of Scripture, if we read them to ourselves, if we have any uh, a desire to do what it is that God desires from us, if, if we desire a heart that is God's, if we want uh, to be said of us that we have a godly heart, then these words cause us a great deal of angst, don't they? Uh, Don't these words cause us a little bit of consternation? Isn't this a little burr under our saddle? And we have questions, don't we, about these verses? Don't we have inquiries with Jesus about these verses? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. God, are you kidding me? Is Jesus saying here, that I should love those who bully my children? Is Jesus saying here that I should love those who shoot up schools and abuse people? Is Jesus saying that I should love foreign military leaders that if given the opportunity would launch military attacks on my country? Is Jesus saying that I should love those people that disagree with me on virtually every belief that I hold and that given the opportunity they would mock me, they would even maybe persecute me if given the opportunity? Is Jesus saying that I should love those people too? And what of those people that hate me? What of, the, what of the mom on the soccer team, perhaps, that thinks her daughter is not getting enough playing time and has a few choice words for the soccer coach? Should I love her even though she hates me? What of the, what of the person that... that Hates the Democrat or the Republican? Is Jesus asking me to love the person in power who consistently decides against the biblical norm? Is Jesus asking me? To love that person? Uh, This is crazy talk, isn't it? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I have questions, Jesus. And so this morning, as we dig into what this means, we ask some very simple questions of Jesus. First of all, we ask Jesus, Jesus, what, what does this mean? What do you mean, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? What, what exactly are you trying to say to me? Uh, second of all, uh, we just simply ask the question okay, what, what is this going to produce? I mean, in the end of it, what, what's the, going to be the fruit, the identifying marker of, of how all this pans out in the end? And maybe the most in question, uh, important question of all that we desperately need to ask is, how, Jesus? How in the world do you expect me to love my enemies? And so we begin this morning just by asking a simple question, Jesus, what do you mean exactly by love your enemies? And we, we find that in order to answer this question, Jesus, what do you mean, we have to first answer the question, why did Jesus say this? And what we're going to find, what we're going to find is that Jesus is responding to a gross misinterpretation of Scripture. And He's going to link our character with God's. Look really quickly in the text. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, uh, throughout this entire series, we have noted that Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. But here he's not quoting the Old Testament. There's no place in the Old Testament that says, Hate your enemy. Uh, But for the teachers of his day, uh, there was a passage in Leviticus. You can turn back with me if you want. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19, all the way back in the beginning, toward the beginning of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 18. This is a verse that had been grossly misinterpreted by the teachers of Jesus' day. Listen to it. It says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. Your people but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, the teachers of Jesus' day had narrowly defined your neighbor. In other other words, uh, you can love your neighbor. You can love your Israelite, your Jewish, your God-fearing. You can love those people who think like you, act like you, behave like you, and by logic, you can hate everybody else. And if we're honest, isn't this the way that things often are? I mean, it's the reason that Jesus later on is going to say uh, what he says in verse 46 and 47. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than any of the others? Don't pagans do that? I mean, it's easy to love those who love you. I mean, that's the the way that the world works, isn't it? Love those who love you and hate everybody else. I mean, love those who agree with you politically and hate everybody else. Love those who, who have the same skin tone as you but hate everybody else. Love those who even have the same sexual preference that you have and hate everybody else. I love those who have the same belief system that you have, but, but hate everybody else. Isn't, isn't that the way that things go? And yet Jesus, in the midst of that environment, says, no, I want to tell you what the true heart of God is. The true heart of God is, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What Jesus is asking us to do is abnormal, isn't it? It's unnatural for us to love our enemies. It's much easier for us to look at the law and say, well, uh, we can only love those who love us back. And yet Jesus is radically challenging us, isn't He? He's pushing the lines. It goes back to that Samuel Clemens quote, uh, quote earlier. Ah, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's parts of the Bible I do understand. Can we be brutally honest with each other this morning? Can we look deeply inside of ourselves? What do you think of your enemies? If you had the opportunity... If your enemy died today, would you celebrate tomorrow? If your enemy, let's say, were at the Grand Canyon, would you wish perhaps in a moment of weakness that your enemy somehow got tripped up near the edge? as they were about to look over? Would you say of your enemy that perhaps that your enemy deserves to experience discomfort and pain and hurt and that you might even desire to pray that God would be the one to inflict the pain? Would You say of Your enemy, Lord, please remove them from My life, send them away somewhere else, And so that they will not bother anybody else in this world. Lord, would you you please take them to one of those scientific stations down in Antarctica so that they might spend the rest of their years cold and lonely? And yet, in the midst of all of that, In the midst of what is most natural for people to do with their enemies, he calls us to do the most unnatural, most uncomfortable thing. He says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And here is the really striking thing. Jesus means exactly what we think he means. When Jesus says love your enemies, he is calling us to God's kind of character. There's a key verse here in this entire section. It happens in verse 45. Look there with me. He has just got done saying love your enemies, pray for for those who persecute you. And then He says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Love your enemies. Love your enemies, and what he's saying is love like God loves because God gives good to all. God loves all. He sends good things, rain and sunshine, to all, to the Christian and to the non-Christian, to the abuser and the non-abuser, To the one who has the same beliefs as I do and those who do not. God loves the one whose sexual preference is not my own. He loves the one whose political uh, uh, particular environment is not my own. God loves all. And if we are to love like God, if we are to be like Him, then we must love our enemies. Jesus is going to define love here. As a posture that we take toward people that makes friends out of enemies. Do you remember Luke chapter 10? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is asked by one of the teachers of the law, Hey, who is my neighbor? And Jesus turns the story around and he says, Are you a neighbor? Jesus says this striking thing about our hearts, doesn't He? Love your enemies. And what is it that this love of our enemies will produce? What's the end result? Notice what He says in verse 45 again. He says, love your enemies, and there's a key word, that... He's answering the question, why? Why in the world should we love our enemies in this way? Uh, Why should we take a posture before our enemies that desires good for them, for God to be formed in them? And he says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. It goes all the way back in the very beginning of this entire section in verse 20 uh, when he talks about those who will enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to experience presence with God. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. But hopefully we've been hanging around long enough to know uh, that there's, uh, there's not just a simple button that we push, not a simple punch card uh, that we punch in, in this whole belief system of God. Like, okay, I'll love my enemies. I'll send uh, a Christmas card. So the question is, how? How, Jesus? How in the world am I going to love my enemies the way that God loves enemies? Giving good things to them. Taking a posture that desires good for them. Jesus is going to say, it's possible to love your enemies. It's possible to pray for those who persecute you. But it takes perfection. Go go to the very end. Go to the very end. Verse 48 of the section we read this morning. Be perfect. How in the world are we supposed to love our enemies? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, there I'm out of here. So how is it? How is it that you and I are supposed to achieve perfection before the father? How is it that you and I are supposed to be perfect like like God is perfect? I wrestled with this question this week and I I looked and I looked and I I began to understand uh, that He qualifies this perfection uh, as your heavenly Father. uh, that, That this perfection, again, as it was in verse 45, is linked with God's character. So here's what He's saying. This perfection... Is about a consistent, constant devotion to carry oneself in the character of God. You're like, wow, that really helps. Sounds like perfection to me. You see, it's not so much about sinlessness as it is about a constant devotion to say, I will be. I will carry myself as one who has the heart of God. How is it that you love your enemies? You don't do it because you try really hard. You can't. Why? Because it's that abnormal. You do it when God's heart is placed in you, and God is allowed to work through you. You see, the assumption that Jesus has made all the way through this section is that you can't do any of these things without being shaped from the inside out. You remember week one? All the way back, we talked about anger. We talked about uh, that we have to be emotionally healthy. How is it that we do that? We don't do it without the heart of God. In week number two, we talked about not just adultery, but lust and sexual purity. And how is it that we're supposed to achieve that? Well, we don't do it on our own. We do it with the heart of God. In week number three, we talked about staying absolutely committed in relationship with our spouse. How is it that we do that? We don't do it on our own. We do it with the heart of God. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being absolutely honest. That we wouldn't lie. How is it that we do that? We do it only with the heart of God. We came last week and and we talked about justice. How is it that we do that? We do it only with the heart of God. How is it that we love our enemies? We do it only with the heart of God. The assumption Jesus is making is that these messages, this behavior, comes from the heart of those who have His Spirit implanted inside of their lives. And they will demonstrate a moral imagination as they go throughout their life And they allow Him to work through them. It's about inside to the outside. And so some of you are asking, well, how in the world do I get a heart like God? Because in the end, a godly life requires a godly heart. How do I get a godly heart? How is it that I I take the character of God on me every single day? It's not difficult. But the calling, the calling is a hard one. So if you desire, if you desire this morning to have the heart of God, the character of God, That you might love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm gonna ask that you would believe believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus can be master, Uh, that He would be the one to guide and direct your steps. Uh, That you would confess, and not every single sin, but that you would confess to the Lord, Lord, I can't even name all the sins I've committed. I don't even know yet all of the sins that I have committed. But I confess that, that you are the only one that can save me. That I have rebelled against You long enough. I can't earn my way to You. I can't do enough good behavior to find myself where You are. You're the one that I need. That You would believe, that You would confess, that you would repent, that you would say to God and then follow it up with your actions, I need to turn around and find where you are and follow you there. And that you would submit yourself, that you would submit yourself to the waters of baptism, that God would do something in, in the midst of that moment, that you would die to self and rise again to live a new life. What happens in that moment, I, I don't know exactly, but, but God is doing something. He's changing hearts from something old to something new. And that you would receive the Holy Spirit. That you might walk there. And when you do that. When you do that. You can say. I can be perfect. As my heavenly father is perfect. And in this context that I might love like my heavenly Father loves. How is it that I love like my heavenly Father loves? How is it that I'm perfect? I change my heart. I allow Him to change my heart. And remember, remember, What Paul said in Romans chapter 5. While I was still a sinner, while I was still an enemy of God, He sent His Son to die for me. How is it that I love my enemies? I have a heart like Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank You for Your Word. It challenges us. It challenges us to go places that are difficult and hard. And so, Lord, I pray that all of us would develop a heart, a mind, a will, a desire, to follow you. And that with a new heart, with a new heart, will come perfection of character and that we will love even our enemies. Lord, we love you. Continue to work in us. Change us from the inside to the outside. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. If you heard that and you want a new heart, you can come talk to me. You can come up here. You can talk to Josh. We want new hearts, don't we? Let's stand and sing.